Hi, and welcome to See Here Love. I'm your host, Melinda Estabrooks. I'm so glad you've joined us for part two of our show here in Ontario as part of our coast-to-coast conversations across Canada. We conclude our show on racism in Canada and how we as women of color have overcome racism and the challenges that we face. I hope this is an inspiring and encouragement to you as we conclude this show. Well, we're back with a timely conversation, and I want us to kind of go deep, but also come up with really um, specific and encouraging ways uh, that we have overcome racism and the challenges that we mentioned before the break and how we have ensured inclusion in our own life. Stephanie, I know with you, you know, these are very practical things that because of, you know, um, who you are, even though they are like cards and things that are legitimate, that it's, you know, being challenged? What has what been the impact for you with those challenges? <laughs> well, I'm a lot like you, Melinda. I go after what I want to, and I'm, I am loud and vocal. And when I see an injustice, I'm sorry, I cannot just walk by. I have to stand up and I have to make a stand, not only for me, but for my people and for other people who are, who are treated um, unjustly. So with me, what I did with the challenges I faced with, for instance, the apartments and people not having apartments. Well, I created a business and I buy apartment buildings in Timmins, Sault Ste. Marie. And guess what? Indigenous people are highly encouraged to apply because they will have precedence. So that's what I do. I look for a way of being a solution, right? Not part of the problem. So that's what I do. I'm still looking for more apartments because I, there is a need. I even create apartments here on Six Nations. I'm looking at building another sixplex um, so that we have housing problems here too. A lot of people want to come home, right? So I'm looking at building some apartments so that my people can come home. They got a place to live, you know? Um, the other thing with the card and the identification and going into government service providers or organizations and maybe they're not accepting your identification. I work with a lot of youth. So I start with the young ones and I give them the tools that they need so that they can go out there. They have their ID. They know what to say. They know where to look. And if they still have problems, come to me because I will go and I will fight. <laughs> so that's what I do. I make it a personal part of my business and my everyday life to see that my people are empowered to be successful, to love who they are, to embrace their language, their culture, their traditions, and just go and do what you were created for. So let that greatness from within flow out. That's what I want to see. And I'm seeing it more and more. Our youth are standing up. They're saying, I can do this, I can do that. And they're going out and they're being tremendously successful. And I'm super proud of them. I'm so proud of being indigenous. I'm so proud of being uh, from the Mohawk Nation and Turtle Clan. Uh, wow, it's amazing. Wow, 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 <laughs> Stephanie, we're all like, you know, you know, that's really encouraging because, you know, we, we've heard and know the challenges that your people face. 
but it's so beautiful to hear you as a woman say, I know these challenges, but I'm going to come up with solutions um, to ensure that my people get homes and have a voice. I mean, that, that's amazing. Raquel, for you, with these challenges, how, has, uh, how have those impacted you, know, you, I mean, obviously your family, your work, and how you see the world, how you kind of live out in the world today? Well, I, I think um, I echo a lot of what Stephanie has said in that it has birthed in me a passion and a, and a desire to ensure that parents that are coming behind me um, they have the tools and resources that I never had. So one of the things that, that, that I've, I've noticed is that though my children are older, um, friends that I have with kids that are younger, the parents are still having the same issues at school, the same issues with, with representation, but I've been able to figure it out in some sense for my family and being able to be a mentor to those younger families, especially through the work of Empower and Equip has allowed me to um, be a leader in closing the gap. Otherwise, we just keep repeating the same hurts and the same feelings and the same challenges over and over again. So the impact it's had on me um, is it, it pushed me to launch Empower and Equip. It pushed me to launch um, a platform that I could use to support families. Now, the work that I do isn't just for Black parents, but I have seen the, the tremendous impact it's had in, in our community in empowering our young Black children to be proud of being black children mm -hmm. by by pointing parents in the right direction to help them build their own awareness their own knowledge so they can pass it on to their children so um, what Stephanie said about the mentorship I was like yes sis like that is so important because sometimes we get it and then we kind of run off in our own little world thinking, yeah, this is my, my family is so great. And we forget that we have a responsibility to whom much is given, much is required. So if God has given you something that has solved a problem for you, we have a responsibility to pass that on. Wow. Amen. Yes. Fantastic. I love that. I'm feeling so empowered uh, by these thoughts. Francis, for you, the challenges that you face as a, you know, as you shared as a, as a Korean woman, what mm -hmm. has the impact for you with mm -hmm. those? I think um, what hasn't been unique, you know, for for all of us is some level of understanding and having an awareness of where discrimination has happened, either against or around. But what has been a personal learning for me, especially in light of what's happening right now with the Black Lives Movement, is just how complicit um, personally I have been or even some of uh, you know, my shared Asian people have been. Uh, and so constantly pushing into what is so seemingly uncomfortable, seemingly um, unfamiliar territory and actually wanting to become an activist. I haven't played that role. It's a, it's a new role for me. I've gone more around and influenced in more subtle, maybe subversive ways. Um, but I am now in a role where, just like you were saying, Raquel, there is a responsibility. There are people coming up underneath and around you that are looking to you. And I think it is not only a, a weight at times, but also such an awesome privilege that I cannot do on my own. I think mentorship is a key theme that I'm hearing across the board. There's a lot of diverse 
uh, millennials that we are trying to reach, and not just in ethnicity, but also in their backgrounds, their educations and skills. And a lot of our organizations and denominations, I can speak for myself, have only actually targeted one subset. Well, what about the rest who are also asking the question, how do I use what God has given me to pursue and advance his kingdom? And so that's part of the work that we're doing. Um, a small little startup as part of this very, you know, traditional, rich, historical organization. It has been a thrill, but it's also been very daunting. Um, and regularly, I am on my knees asking Jesus, you know, lead the way because this is unfamiliar, uncharted territory, not just for me, but also in our organization. So another impact for me would be, um, I've just recently in these last couple of weeks been appointed to take on the role of creating a committee within our organization, recognizing the systemic discrimination. All of our leadership is one homogenous color and one gender. And so how can we really create a space for others to come forward to express what has been their challenges, what they observe, what their lived experiences have been, and then to consult and advise our leadership. Again, it's such a fresh new role. It's a, it's a, it's a, an unfamiliar one, and yet I'm just simply being obedient to what's being presented uh, in front of me day by day. Well done. Well done. I'm glad you're heading up that committee, Francis. Amazing. Jyoti, the impact of, for you, with your family, your work, um, your own, how you see the world with the challenges that you have faced. Yeah, I, um, I think it's interesting. My, again, my experience with racism hasn't necessarily been from the outside in, it's actually been within my own culture and with my own, within my own family. Um, my sister and I are the only Christians in our family and our generations. Um, everyone's always been Sikh and stuck. they've stuck with that. Um, so I come from a culture and a family specifically that's very, it's all about like preservation, preserving culture, pres preserving religion. You don't change things. Everything stays the same. And if anything is different, it's, you know, heavily frowned upon. And yeah, so becoming a Christian was the first thing. And then marrying a white man was the second thing. So definitely, um, you know, receiving hate comments and hate messages. And again, not necessarily an attack from others um, of different races on me, but within my own culture and with my own community, people saying, you're a traitor. You married someone that's not Punjabi, that's not like us. Why would you do that? Um, so that's been a really big learning um, experience for me and also something that I've had to um, work through personally and realize I'm not a traitor and I love my culture and I can, um, you know, value my upbringing and my traditions. And I, I'm so proud to be Indian, Indo-Canadian, um, while at the same time, you know, falling in love with someone, not because of his race or his background, but because of who he is. And so that, that's been difficult. And yeah, I, I think it's, um, it's funny when, you know, these conversations started with, within our family just a few weeks ago about um, racism. At first, my initial reaction was, I'm the poster child for anti-racism. You know, I'm, I'm in a mixed race marriage. My children are mixed race. And here we are living in a predominantly white community. But um, it didn't take too long for me to realize that, you know, whether it's conscious or subconscious, you know, we all carry um, racial biases and um, us women of color, we're not exempt from that. Like each, each one of us, each individual person, you know, because of what society has given us and shown us and surrounded us with in the media, we, um, we have, we have 
prejudices. And we need to be able to, you know, face them and deconstruct them and work through them. And yeah, that's just been something that I've learned. I mean, through, you know, ex my own experiences, but also especially the past few weeks. Hey, it's Chris, friend of See Here Love with Melinda. Sorry to interrupt this conversation, but I just had to let you know that the only way that See Here Love gets to produce fun and authentic conversations like this one is through your financial donations. So go to seeherelove.com and click on the big donate button. Thanks for your support. Let's get back to the show. Yeah. Wow. I think, ladies, as we're talking about this, we've all kind of shared about some of the challenges we face because of being women of color, uh, how have we overcome that and ensured inclusion that ourselves, we are ensuring uh, that we are um, including um, all people within our own lives. Uh, let's start with Stephanie. What are your thoughts about that? How you have overcome racism and how you are including all people into your own sphere of influence? I think the biggest part of um, inclusion is to educate ourselves. You know, not only do people have to educate themselves on indigenous ways, indigenous people, what we do, how we live, everything, but also me as an indigenous person, I have to educate myself on others. The, like it's a multicultural um, mosaic place here in, in Canada, in Ontario. So I have to embrace other cultures and learn myself. So that, and which I do, I like to meet other people. I like to travel around the world and le learn about different cultures, go to different events that are happening here in Ontario or abroad, just to find that out and to um, make more friends. I have a lot of different friends from different cultures and, and they're willing to teach me. And it's sometimes it's so funny, you know, you get, some jokes and things and then they come here and I'm willing to teach them and I think too more importantly like employers we need to be able to with my business anyway I go in and I do cross-cultural training with employers with organizations just so they have some knowledge about who we are and how to interact with us um, because sometimes you get a, some people coming to interact with you and they say the wrong thing and you're like oh Oh no, <laughs> especially when you're trying to bring them into a situation where maybe they want to invest in a, in the community and a business of some sort to partner with us. And they haven't been taught, you know, there's different things that you do and you don't do when you come here. And so if they say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing, then that's it. <laughs> there's no going back. So it's really important to educate and know the issues, know the issues that are going on with, you know, the murdered and missing indigenous women and girls, residential school things, um, everything that's happened to us. And I'm not saying to bring it up and talk about it, but what I'm saying, it gives you um, kind of a window into the community, a window in to the struggles and challenges that we as indigenous people are facing. Um, and also another thing I think, and I do this as well, is when I see racism or something happening out in the community, whether it's in my community, whether it's off reserve in mainstream community, I stand up. I say something. If someone's being treating someone rudely or unjustly or, you know, you know 
when it's happening. You know when it's happening. I stand up and I say something. And I know a lot of people don't because you watch and you see. But I encourage people to stand up for what's right, right? And we all know from inside we have that, what they call locus of control. Most of us are Christians. You know, we know from inside when we're doing something wrong or when we're doing something right. So follow that, follow that. Let that tell you when to step out and be the voice for somebody who doesn't have a voice. That's why I always do my mentoring with the youth, the indigenous youth, because a lot of them, you know, they haven't found their voice because they don't know the knowledge. And I take them through the failed government policies and how we got to where we are. You know, it's not by happenstance or coincidence. It was a plain strategic move by the government to eliminate us. And now how do we rebuild us? How do we, how do we embrace who we are? How do we love who we are? How do we move forward with our language, culture, traditional teachings, and just be who God created us to be because he is the one who created us in everything that we do. Mm. And in past um, traumatic experience like residential school, we were taught that we weren't acceptable. There was something wrong with us, right? But there isn't anything wrong with us. We are a beautiful people. And I love us. <laughs> I love it. Love you. It's a beautiful. <laughs> I love it. Educate. Stand up and know that you are created by God uh, who loves you and sees you uh, in all the beauty and wonder of who you are. That's amazing. I love that. That's those are those are yeah. great, great tools and advice. Thank you, Stephanie. Raquel, for you, overcoming racism and, and ensuring in inclusion. Uh, within your own life? I think it, it starts with um, taking the time to understand who I am. So as a Black woman living in Canada, I know that my history starts somewhere on the continent of Africa. Um, but until recently, um, I really haven't had access to what that is and what that means. So when we talk about, you know, being proud of your traditions and your heritage, a lot of that was literally stolen from our people. So before I can really focus on um, how to include others into my world, I have to make sure I have an understanding of that world. So um, what do I do? I'm, I'm an avid reader um, and I'm, I'm just reading and learning about my history before Jamaica. So my history before um, what I commonly would have known as to where I came from. Um, and it's, it, it wasn't taught to me because my parents didn't know it. And it wasn't taught to me in school because it was, it's been erased from um, the curriculum. So I've had to take time to learn my culture, learn myself, learn my story so that I can teach that to my children so that we can begin to rebuild a, a deeper understanding of what our cultural heritage actually means. Because it's going to be hard for me to, to ask or expect people from other cultural groups to have this empathy and understanding for a culture that I don't really understand myself. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where it starts. It's, it's, it's learning and, and having a passion for a deep sense of 
yourself, your own cultural identity. And then asking myself as a mother, how will I pass that on to my children? Um, how will I present myself in the world? How will I present myself in the world as a black um, woman of African and Jamaican descent who is a Christian? What does that mean for me at my church? Am I, do I feel included and do I feel um, a part of my church community or do I have to leave a part of my culture at the door when I enter my church? So, and if I feel like I do, do I have the power and the voice to speak up um, and, 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 to, and to see changes? So um, before I can step comfortably with two feet firmly planted on inclusion, I think my first responsibility is to have a deep understanding of who I am. Wow, that's powerful. Um, Jyoti, uh, how have you um, overcome racism? You've mentioned some of those thoughts before and ensuring inclusion in your own life. Yeah, so like I mentioned, I think it um, exactly what Raquel just shared, education. Education is key. Um, and you know, when people hear education, what do they mean? Like, like how do you educate yourself? Um, you know, find racial justice educators, uh, pay for their resources, you know, support women of color, black women, indigenous women, uh, women, you know, men even that are providing resources to um, help you and to help you to break down and deconstruct your, race, your racial biases. Um, as a mom, I'm a stay-at-home mom, a work-from-home mom, small business owner, a lot of that it's, it just starts in the in the home. It starts with the way that I parent, um, you know, the books that I purchase for my children, the, the the shows that they watch, the media, the music, all of these things, the way that we talk, the language in the home. Um, yeah, another thing would be definitely, again, living in a small community, a white community, um, comes with challenges. There's There are always people that are more conservative. Um, you know, I had two neighbors that had Confederate flags like, you know, flying from their front lawn and um, feeling, you know, the confidence to have a voice to say, that's not okay. Reporting that as a hate crime, um, do, you know, going out of your comfort zone and being willing to talk about things when, you know, certain, certain ideas and beliefs and biases have been ingrained in this community. <laughs> um, I love the community. I think it's an incredible place to live. I really do. But there are, there are always going to be people, especially in small towns and um, more conservative Christian white circles that have a little bit more extreme beliefs. So um, again, being, you know, a woman of color living in a place like this, I have to be able to um, speak, speak up and to share, to share my opinions and my story and uh, being willing to listen to other people's stories and as a small business owner. Um, you know, supporting other women of color on, you know, on Instagram and following influencers on Instagram that are not just white and, you know, filling my feed with people of different backgrounds and um, different colors and different, yeah, different cultures. That's, that's the way that I've been able to um, move forward in it. Amazing. Beautiful. Thank you, Jyoti. Love that. Francis, for you, how you've overcome uh, racism and uh, how you've included all people into your sphere of influence. Mm -hmm. I think it, it starts in our sphere of influence. So what is our context? Who's in our proximity? And I think there's two tangible practices that I am slowly starting to adopt on a more regular basis. One, and that's something that I can control. I can't change or control anybody else except for me. So in those places and spaces, 
Um, one is humble approachability, you know, recognizing I am a person in desperate need of help every single day. Um, and so when are the tough things, to, when, when there are tough things to say, when there are tough things to hear, am I approachable? Uh, am I practicing that sense of people can come and, and tell me? And we have a culture of calling each other up, you know, not out, but actually calling each other up to, to a higher standard that God has given to us. The second thing I would say is courage. I love the courage and boldness on our panel. I'm so blown away and inspired by it. I'm getting there, but until, uh, until I get to that place, it's just the courage of loving honesty. So if we're going to be tools of grace in the hands of our Redeemer, then we have to be truth speakers uh, who have the courage of loving honesty. Honesty not used as a weapon with a hidden agenda or type of manipulation behind, but actually starting to see it as a tool to, again, inform and influence uh, to a higher standard. And so it starts with me. Those are a couple of things that I'm practicing on a regular basis. Wow, wow, wow. You know, this really encourages me um, as someone who, for most of her life here in Canada, was such a struggle, such a fight, and misunderstood all the time, my intentions. And yet, um, watching and having people in my corner who helped spur me on, mentors who led me and took risks to having a woman who is brown and, and Asian in places of leadership or on the board or the, the keynote speaker at events. You know, my whole life in, in, in working has been that, but to hear your stories is so encouraging. It even for me now ensures that I'm not alone in my own thoughts and in my own hopes and dreams for, for my life and for young women and men of color. And I'm so grateful for you all. Uh, I know we have a little bit more time, but I know we're gonna go to Anne now because she's got a great devotional uh, to share with us and for Ontario um, and from the good word. So Anne, we'd love to hear your thoughts today. Awesome. Well, it's extremely powerful to hear our voices. It, we're truly living out, um, you know, loving our neighbor, loving uh, people is the way that God shows up on this planet. And uh, it's through our lives. So as I was reflecting about Ontario, I thought, you know, what are the things Ontario can have known for? And I thought, of, well, finances. This is like the financial kind of hub of this country that we live in, the economic hub. They share your wealth with the rest of the nation. It is the kind of the foundation of this country. Um, and then I thought about fashion. There is this fashion and food and arts and like cultural influence influencers that come out of Ontario that impact the entire nation. Like if you're a foodie like Mel, uh, that Ontario is the place to be. And then things kind of filter across the country from there. And then the, the third part that most people don't realize, you know, about Ontario is how fertile the ground actually is with the waterfalls and the Great Lakes and the harvest that happens there. Um, and so three F words now um, that are just, you know, fertile finances, fashion that are extremely this like influential hub that causes the rest of the nation truly to look at Ontario as a leader. 
And when God positions us in those places of leadership, not because of, you know, how great and how special and all this kind of stuff, it's just he's positioned each one of us in this place of influence and Ontario as a province in a place of influence over a nation. I think we need to pay attention. I know in our Canada Day um, you know, episode, we talked about how there were scriptures that are engraved, actually carved into the parliament building. This nation was built as a Christian nation to flourish on God's word. That's where God, you know, God, I think intended Canada to be a place where his word would flourish through the people that lived here. And so I realized that somehow through the history of time that has been stripped away as being the family of God, our cultural identity with God has been completely stripped away as we have all been adopted and grafted into God's family. Yet that heritage, we do not know well. That heritage of being part of God's family, we may not know well or be familiar with. And so um, when Paul entered the area of Corinth, he wanted to teach the people there their heritage. He wanted to teach them what it was like to be adopted into the family of God. And 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse uh, 2 and 3 says, To the church that, of God that's in Corinth, to those that are sanctified in Christ, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Like, we're called to be saints. We're called to live out this gospel, live out this good news, and have, like, be radically holy. Be radically, you know, loving. Be radically peaceful people that come, because that's what we carry into the room. And radically show off and display the power of the good news that we have. Because he continues on, and you can see throughout the whole book of Corinth, where he says, love is patient, love is kind. Because you are united as one body. Each member has a special part, but you are united as the body of, of God. Um, and... Ultimately, this kingdom of God is not just about talk, but about power. And so as leaders in Ontario, as people that are positioned, uh, you know, there, we can speak into the transformation and redemption that's, that we desire to see in this country and be part of that change. So I'm super grateful for, for this. This is like a pioneering panel now. Yes. This is a panel of women that are, you know, change, world changers, truly, in where God has positioned us. And I, I believe that that influences the circles that we run in. And I believe through this show, this nation is, is blessed. Ooh, I just got a chill, Anne. Oh, so I got good. a chill for all of them. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you, Anne. That is powerful. Well, we want to end our time with our last takeaways. And I want you to share as well a takeaway too, but a takeaway, which is an encouragement to women who are struggling today with their identity, with racism, assumptions, what would you say to, to her? And how would you also share how to love our neighbor well? We, we kind of talked about that, but I just want to end with what you would say to a young woman who's listening and watching today, who is struggling, feeling just really weary, exhausted, uh, discouraged about the situation now, what would you say to her? Francis, why don't we kick it off with you? Your takeaway. I think even in listening to our panel today, and I'm like you, Melinda, like my gift of woo is third. <laughs> it's not my number one, but 
it's, it's one way to operate in your own strength. But even looking at our panel and hearing what you all have to say, I realize it's who do I need? We're not designed to be lone rangers in this. You know, we're, we're not designed to, to navigate through these worlds and all these challenges alone. And it's so inspiring to me to know that not only women like you exist, but we can partner better together. So what I would say to the woman who is watching and listening, um, it starts with the initial relationship and the rapport that you develop and you establish through relationship that without that trust, uh, I don't think that even uh, a future collaborative um, uh, opportunity could exist. And so I'm hopeful, actually, as I, as I hear you, I recognize who I need more in my life, more of the bold doers and the activators, uh, and uh, less of maybe the listeners and the waiters and the watchers uh, that I tend to um, navigate through these challenges together with. And so, yeah, it's a question, an equally powerful question of knowing who you are, yes, but then who do you need uh, to navigate through these things together with? Beautiful. Who do you need? A good question, Francis, for all of us to ask ourselves today. Raquel, final takeaway or last thought? Um, I think I would have to say that um, your cultural identity matters. Um, I don't think God made us all different for us to pretend that we were the same. So I think that it matters that you are proud of where you came from and that you take that, that pride and that confidence into where you're going. And that when you come across another sister um, who doesn't have that confidence, that you, that you find a way to give a little bit of that confidence to her. Um, I, I love what Francis said about who do I need. Um, also re remembering that um, you are what somebody needs. Right. I think I think it's very easy to um, forget that. Um, but your your life matters and your your life. Like, for example, for me as a black woman, my life matters and I need to do what I can to share um, God's love through that identity with the world. So don't ever let anybody tell you that your cultural identity is second. Um, I believe it stands hand in hand with your adopted heritage of faith mm. and that God expects you to use those two things together to allow his light to shine through the world. Because sometimes it's your cultural identity that may um, turn somebody's attention to you that you can use as an entry point for a conversation about faith. So I think that's what it is for me. Never forgetting that who you are um, really does matter. Wow. Powerful, good reminder, Raquel, who you are matters. You are not second. It's beautiful. Jyoti, your last takeaway, your last thought. Yeah, I love that. Um, your culture, cultural identity matters. And I think hand in hand with that is stories matter. And uh, that, you know, today's show has proven that, that um, being able to hear such empowering and motivating and encouraging stories from women from all different backgrounds, that's, that's, that's what helps us. And so if a woman is struggling, a young woman, an older woman, any woman, um, I would say be willing to, be willing to listen, um, go out and search out um, stories from other, from other women and from other people who may have been struggling as well and can it help to encourage you. So that's definitely my takeaway from today. I'm feeling encouraged. I hope everyone's feeling encouraged and I think that's one of the most powerful things we can do is share our stories and hear other stories. 
Beautiful. I love that. Share our stories and also listen to other stories as we learn together. Amazing. Stephanie, your last takeaway. Um, I think everybody had great takeaways, like great encouragement for everyone listening out there. And I think it's very important that you celebrate your success. Sit down, put on paper your, your success, what successes you've had already, and celebrate that. The next step would be look at what you're good at, what's your passion, what, what do you really want to do? Like what makes you jump out of bed in the morning and say, I'm going to do this. And I, you know what? Nobody's stopping me. You know, what is that? Write it down. And then you need to step back and you need to plan your life. What do you want to do? Are you going to school? Are you getting a job? Are you opening your own business? What are you doing? Put a plan together. Where do you want to travel? Are you going to get married? You're going to have kids. What are you going to do? Write it down. You know, my father probably was before his time, but he raised us. There were six of us. He raised us on his own and he was a planner. So at five, I had to plan. And he would say, okay, sit down here and I want you to plan what we're going to do over the weekend. And he'd say that. And I'm like, okay. And he'd say what we need, how much money it's going to cost, all this stuff. All right. So I'd be like, Canada's wonderland. We need a picnic. Dad, you got to drive us. Dad, you got to pay the bill <laughs> here. <laughs> you know, but it was really powerful because I was taught to plan. I was taught to plan my life. And because I planned it and I wrote it on paper, I accomplished so much more. And I still have that plan. I can pull it out. I'm still not done. And I tick off everything that I've done. And it's funny because one of my friends, colleagues I used to work with, she said, oh my God, you've done all that? I'm like, yeah. She goes, can you come talk to my youth? I'm like, sure, I guess. <laughs> right? And they see this and they think you're superwoman. And that's, what is she, superwoman? I'm like, no, I'm not. You know what? Anybody can do this. You just have to make that commitment to plan your life. Anybody can do this. And of course, you have to know who you are. You, you have to embrace your culture, your language, your tradition. You have to embrace other people. You have to be open-minded. You have to be willing to learn. You have to be willing to ask for help. You know, there's so much help in, out there, but... And, and you need to seek it out because a lot of times you don't know what the help is out there. I know with my young people I deal with, I take them through that so they know. But there's other people out there today who are probably watching this who, oh my gosh, I don't know what's out there. Well, guess what? We have a great thing now, Google. Google it. Google it. <laughs> don't be afraid of Google. <laughs> and if you don't know how to do it, get a friend. Get your buddy. Let's go have a tea and Google. You know? You can find out so much. So again, plan out your life. And the next thing is, don't be afraid to step out. Step out of your comfort zone and just do it. Trust me. I wasn't like this all my life. I, I mean, I had this feisty spirit. But a lot of times, I had to push myself to step out. And that pushing myself made me step out. And it allowed me to make a difference, not only in my community, not only for Indigenous people across Canada, U.S., Turtle Island, but people across the globe. And you know what? It's only God and God's hand on my life that has allowed me to do that because I pray all the time, I give thanks all the time, and I'm grateful, even for the struggle. Wow, <laughs> wow, wow. This show, 
And I'm just like, and a, a last thought, I'm just like, <laughs> you guys take it away. I'm done. You guys all host the show. Go on. <laughs> just going to listen and learn. And a quick little thought, and then I'll close up the show. What your so, show would be. Yeah, we've modeled really well here today is celebrating each other. And I think it's super powerful I, as like women in general, you know, just uh, celebrating each other is powerful. You're encouraging each other. We're, I think I've said this every single show, words have power. And so as we are speaking, you know, our own experiences out, it's actually impacting somebody else's life. And so I thank this panel for celebrating yourself self first like we've got this strong identity and we know who we are but yet we are celebrating one another and that's a power that's a powerful weapon that's loving well wow you know when i look at this panel and i see a powerful amazing strong black woman with a jamaican background who's learning about her identity even before jamaica but into africa who's an educator committed to educating the next generation and her and her girls and when I look at uh, a woman from the Mohawk Turtle Clan who has a passion and plans out her life and achieves it, and to stand up and do it and do it for the next generation and do it to make a difference. And when I look at a wonderful woman who embroiders and who gardens or farms zucchini and peppers and uh, is pregnant on the show and who's just sitting there and yet speaking so profoundly about her challenges and, 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 and standing up for what's right. And then as I look at a Korean woman who, you know, shares about courage and loving honesty and knowing that she needs people and she needs to be in those committees to, to make a difference. And when I look at my beautiful co-host who is of, you know, Middle Eastern and who's about food and connection, I just see the love of God in all of it. I see the power of God. I see the love of God through his women and through the giftings that he's given us and through the opportunities that he's given us and the voice and story that we have that he is hoping that we all will share so that we can make a difference in the lives of the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. So I'm honored and what a privilege it was to facilitate this conversation. Thank you, Francis and Jyoti and Raquel and Stephanie and Anne. It is an honor to give a platform to your experiences, to your stories and to your voice. So I just honor you and I thank you from the bottom of my heart for being on the show. And to you, our See Here Love viewers and listeners, I hope that this show has encouraged you to stand up, to speak out, to do what is right and what is good, to educate yourselves, to love, to know that you need others and to stand up and be strong because you are a woman of God, a follower of Jesus whom God so loves. And so for more information about all of these amazing guests, for more blogs and resources and past shows, please go to seeherelove.com. And as you struggle or just tired and weary of injustice and racism and inequality and the many challenges that you face, know this promise always that you are seen, that you are heard, and that you are deeply loved by God. Thanks for joining us. Bye.
See Here Love with Melinda Estabrooks is a production of Crossroads Christian Communications Incorporated, a member of the Canadian Council of Christian Charities. To support this program, please visit seeherelove.com and click the donate button or call 1-800-265-3100. And from me and the See Here Love team, thanks so much for your support.